0: Podcast ain't played nobody, Stephen Godfrey, Bill Connolly. Um, of course, we teased this on the Sunday Night Show, the S Plus Show that returned. Biggest game of the week, no doubt, Clemson Texas A and M. So we're not going to start there. Bill, the Murder Smurfs
1: are back. They are, but I, I'm confused. I thought this was an NFL podcast. I only prepped NFL stuff to to talk um, about today. I believe it is now.
0: Uh, uh, after the Twitter feedback that you and I received, podcast Ain't played nobody is now going to shift to. I'd say like seventy eighty five percent NFL. <clears throat> yeah, you think so? I think what cars- if it's just what if it was all NFL, but but primarily
1: the NFC East? Oh god, uh, that, that would kill mm-hmm. the joke for me. I think, but mm-hmm. uh, no, it would I, kill me too. I, I think cars just ran off the road. Um, yes, we got I, some
0: angry <laughs> ass emails some or I, tweets look, and emails. Y'all are salty. Look,
1: it's and, and it's funny, like the feedback I got, like you start reading into it a little bit or, or uh, engaging with the people who are giving us negative feedback about about talking about the NFL for like seven minutes uh, in an 85 minute <laughs> podcast or whatever it was. Um, I, it's, I, it's funny though, like the, the thing I got, I noticed most of all was that it's all about like, it's all about the packaging. Like they just hate that the, the, the NFL's packaging. Um, and, and they, they resent the product because of the packaging. And it it was funny to me because at the same time I'm reading all this, I was coming to the realization. I mentioned this briefly on the Sunday night podcast. Um, I started like the NFL is the sec, which I mean, people resent the sec too. So it's fine, but it's just like a, it's, it's a nuclear powered sec. It takes itself way too seriously. It tells you over and over again, how important it is um and because the talent level is pretty high obviously it's higher in the nfl but in the sec on average the talent level is still the highest it's still on average the best i have to qualify that uh, it is still on average the best conference um and you know therefore you have higher levels of talent and less uh, experimentation and more you know burly man ball type stuff that we've always seen in the sec but i started realizing this all weekend like that it's that that's We we, when we talk about like how mummy going to the sec all the it was all about you know how the you know it was a a power running and field position and defense conference until they started throwing the ball uh and like that's exactly what we say about the nfl when it comes to this college stuff and they're still not throwing the ball enough in in the pros and all these other things it's just funny like i i the nfl is the sec and and people resent it because of the packaging but when you actually watch the product It is not vastly superior like NFL fans want you to think, but it's really no different. It's just the packaging that you resist. But
0: there's no no variance. One of the greatest things about college football is that we have this horrible inevitability of, you know, we're in the Alabama era with Nick Saban, but before that, it was other eras and other dominance. But you have variance. You have these amazing little side stories, side quests, like we did in our preview, um, where you get to see unique conflicting ideologies, styles you know uh, mm. I, I i can't say gm or like front office management we don't really do that in college but or <laughs> we're not supposed to uh but the problem i have with the nfl is that there's no variance that's my biggest issue is there's 30 some odd or 32 teams and they're all trying to
1: be new england well, a lot of them are. Just like a lot of them are trying to be Alabama in the SEC, but some aren't. I mean, you have the Chiefs doing weird things. You've got you had Chicago being intriguing as hell until the script ran out, and then they kind of stunk after that. But you, I, I think you have teams out there right now that are experimenting. And, you, and by the you way, so
0: we meant we meant this to be a joke, and like now we've talked we about the NFL. Yeah, I was, like, <laughs> we, we, I was like, hey, let's start the show. And I'm going to screw with people. We'll start with boys. And you're like, let's really screw with them and make a joke about the NFL. And then we just started talking about the NFL. Um, here's what I can assure the audience before I get to the show intro. Here is your assurance. I am a married father of two children. This assures you that PAPN will never even come close to 50-50 on the two sports. Here is why. I did a, This was a, a major experiment, Bill, on week okay. two. Um, and we're going to do the show intro real fast because I really need to talk this out. Uh, this a podcast I ain't played nobody's uh, college football marriage, college football marriage, marriage between a college football number and a college football word. See what I did there? Uh, that's the Robot Bill Connolly. He's SBN underscore Bill C. He wrote a bunch of books. You can find them on Amazon. My name's Stephen Godfrey. I was a TV star for uh, five weeks, and now it's on YouTube at 38 Godfrey. Um, That's the show. Bill, I... Did the unthinkable? Some of now, some of you listening are not going to understand this, and that's okay. But I did the unthinkable this weekend. I don't know. You, you, I, your Your child is how old now? Aaron is. Uh, she just turned seven. Okay. Two kids. Week two at home. I pretty much consumed an entire slate of football. We did one, like one errand this in like the Saturday morning block. I had to run errands with the elder son. Okay. But I'm I'm someone who's kind of given up on game day, which I hate to say because I love Reese Davis and I did a profile on him. We stay in touch and I know a lot of people that work on game day and a lot of people at ESPN and they're all great people. And I do think like game day shapes a lot of the narrative around the sport. It's a very powerful, influential thing. But it's hard dude, it's just hard to consume that much in a day, right? <laughs> I don't know how I used to do it in my twenties. Cause we we I would this the only time you would get up. Even if you were out late, you'd get up for game day literally after college, I'm talking about, and then you would consume all day, go to the bar and watch late shift. But I consumed all that football. Here's why we're never going to be a 50-50 NFL college football podcast. If I were to get up on Sundays and say, hey, honey, we're going to do the same thing over again, and then also Sunday night, and then also Monday night, because I know I completely missed, we're recording this on Tuesday morning, I completely missed this Jets thing last night with Sam Darnold. I completely missed anything to do with John Gruden and the Raiders and what – I mean, I I got it this morning and saw a box score and I guess L.A. blew them out because they have a really great offense.
1: So, sort of. Uh, it was a, a tie game late in the third quarter. And then, Are you uh, watching all of this? I Well, I had it on this morning, yeah. This Let's is what I can assure the listening well,
0: audience. I, I make it – I work. I, I work to make sure I consume portions of everything – so that when we get questions, we don't just fall on Bill's S&P Plus. That, or, you know, I, I work to stay in contact with as many people as I can. I work to try and know things that are going on behind the scenes. I'm never going to do that in both sports. Nobody can do that in both sports. I barely can do it in one sport. So the show, all joking aside, is never going to be 50-50. However, there are obvious corollaries. There are obvious connections. Um, we see trends move up. That's one of the things I think college football fans should be proud of. is that The trends are moving they're really being born, you know, for a while it was the high school level, but I think things are originating in the sport of college football. Now it may be NAIA or division three or whatever, but, but things are happening in college football that are shaping the NFL flat out. We just, we had Charles on last week to talk about this. So if we see a trend persist, you guys pay us, actually you don't, to tell you what's going to happen in college football, to tell you the thing that you need to know that you didn't, all that kind of stuff. Like, we will identify that strain as it moves upward through the NFL. But I promise you, like the whole idea of like, man, the Chargers secondary. Dude, I don't know. Go listen to Barnwell. <laughs> I have no eventually- idea. I know this. On Sundays, I got up on Sunday, Bill, and there was no college football, right? No LSU Miami. And there the Falcons had already already hurt me on Thursday. We got that out of the way. And I was at dinner with my editor when it happened, so I only had to watch the – like half of it, and I had the best Sunday, Bill. It was so great because my favorite team didn't break my soul, and so I promise you guys listening to podcast and playing nobody that I am not going to do that. I'm not going to invest that much professionally and in a whole other sport while doing this one. And Sundays for me are are doing work stuff, right? Trying to be a like a half ass father husband, and then being just disgustingly angry for like two and a half to three and a half hours about my stupid
1: team you said mean things to me on thursday night
0: i was really mad at bill on thursday night you want to go about before all the other stuff we have to get into do you want to get uh this is not this is only a half joke whereas like that we have other hidden jokes in the show but you, in the NFL preview that you worked on, you said Atlanta. Well, I didn't defense. say anything.
1: I didn't say a word. I presented data I that people saw.
0: I was pissed. I didn't
1: write a single thing. I just I was presented so, the data.
0: So mad. And the best part is this: to tie it back into college football, I now have Washington and USC fans hitting me up in the mentions in the DMs because my DMs are open on Twitter, being like, "Hey, I know. I feel it. I'm with you." right? And there's no way a Washington or a USC fan should care about the Atlanta Falcons, but it's just start, It's Steve Sarkeesian. It's like, it's weird. And I think that's a very collegiate thing too, where you will project empathy on a whole other fan base in this, like, you know, a different sport in this instance, just because they're dealing with the same problem that that you once dealt with. Now, it doesn't always work. Like, you know, when Houston Nutt was hopping jobs, like I don't think anybody was like, oh, good luck over there, Ole Miss. No, like Arkansas fans were just angry at the world. But by and large, um, there's a weird sort of empathy that emerges. I think it happens a lot with coordinators more than anybody else. I wonder if anybody at UGA is, has empathy for Colorado State right now because of Bolo. No, no. Do you think that's possible?
1: No. oh Well, maybe, but probably not.
0: Okay, here's the deal. Bill, tell me... Um, before we get into the inevitable letdown, which is the fact that the committee is not going to let him in the playoff. <laughs> Honestly, tell me about Boise state in the context of like, like PAP and good. Are we going to write, like, do we need to get on them? Do we need to get on Houston? Do we need to get on UCF? I'm thinking it's actually Boise this year, but then like,
1: they're not, we shouldn't even. That's talk. just I'm, the disrespect so, fuel that UCF fans des- uh, desire.
0: I'm so angry already. I'm so angry already because look, they may run the table and then they're going to get left out of the playoff.
1: Yep. Yeah. um, My advice to Boise state is to beat Oklahoma state by 70 on Saturday. That's your only chance.
0: Do you think that's enough? (laughs)
1: <laughs> well it, it, Oklahoma State might be good that's, that's the one thing they have going for them is they would have beaten a good team by 70 uh, they're not going to obviously but that's their only chance is to, to absolutely embarrass uh, a, a good P5 team on the road and even then it won't be enough because when we get talked uh, to November and they're playing New Mexico or whoever we'll forget all about well, not we we won't uh, the committee will forget all about it and punish them for playing New Mexico in November as if they had a choice so um, now, all I can say about Boise State at this exact moment is that they are better than UCF was two weeks into last year. And UCF was awesome last year. We were talking about on this show about how, like, damn, UCF is is hurting people right now. Um, and they were doing it in a way, in ways that were sustainable. So, um, we will find, I mean, I, I kind of hate that they play Oklahoma state right now because Oklahoma state has looked just fine two games into their schedule too. And they might be top 15 or 20 good. Again, it would not be a surprise. Um, and so having a, you know, their, their only chance at any sort of major recognition is beating a top 15 team on the road, which a lot of not of power conference teams don't have to do just yet. So, um, you know, we'll see. It is the p. It is by far the PAPN game of the week because you've got a you've got an Oklahoma tie and you got a, a Boise tie. Not only a mid major tie, but a Boise tie uh, that is a massive uh, that checks a lot of boxes right there. But they're they're awesome. They're just they're awesome right now, and we'll see how long they can keep it up. And if anybody notices,
0: I'm not looking yet. I'm not looking at the schedule. It's Tuesday.
1: No. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter yet.
0: It's a purity thing. It's <laughs> not like a. I'm not trying to be obstinate. I just want to. I just want to preserve it where I feel like we can. Tuesday's the sweet spot right we're gonna officially put week two to bed but I don't want to do anything week three yet I know we got a ton of week three stuff coming up and weather and problems and but we're just gonna live we're gonna live in this quiet spot where we can still talk about Boise absolutely humiliating uh, I mean it was Yukon but um, Houston uh, it, I, I Arizona might be bad bad yep okay um, and We got a lot of questions uh, because I did the – when we did the – it's not jokey. I mean, I guess it is because we don't really have any stakes to it. But when I do the predictions thing and I I did the swerve on everybody and everyone laughed like, Herm Edwards sucks. (laughs) Arizona State's not going to be better than Arizona. Um, I mean, the reality there is that there's a lot of stuff going on at the University of Arizona. Uh, You still have this bizarre FBI thing with the basketball, Sean Miller and ESPN. Um, You have a – civil suit which i think UA is still a co-defendant in against a former employee who was a subordinate of Rich Rods for sexual harassment and then you get Kevin Sumlin who is coming off of this draining roller coaster ride dealing with Texas A&M and i think sometimes a year off is the best thing for uh coaches who think it's the worst thing in the world and they're going to everyone feels like they're going to fall off the you know face of the earth and never coach again. And, you know, there are coaches who who kind of talked that way publicly and never got a job again, but I can assure you, it wasn't because people forgot about them after a year. Like if you still have your agent and you're still connected to the right people and you're a good football coach, like a job will find you. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the best job in the world. You may not get back to the P five right away. I don't know. But in someone's case, I just think that without saying too much, um, he probably just needed a damn year off. Like at the very least, Bill, why not go and be an offensive analyst for somebody and get a faux year off, where you're working two to three days a week for a major program? Um, most of those deals are structured to where if you had a buyout, um, they they won't it won't affect your buyout, right? Like Butch Jones is at Alabama right now, a permanent annual rival of Tennessee, and I'm I, I can assure you that that he is probably actually not working for any money or anything just so he can maintain his big buyout you know um i think someone should have gone that route i don't think it has anything to do with someone i don't think it has anything to do with like his style or whatever we all saw i bet if we dig in the archives which we won't do when we were going through coaching season you and i were like oh yeah kevin sumlin khalil tate that makes sense actually that's not true we were probably just mad about nia matanolo but um This is just not a great situation in Arizona.
1: No, and I will say, I mean, the one warning sign we had, um, I I liked the Sumlin hire, and then he made his coordinator hires, and and I was a little – nervous we'll say nervous he, he you know mazzoni has been around forever he's had a lot of successful offenses it made me nervous and i mentioned this on the show last week that that he was going to get brad smith that he's he's a running quarterback that's going to get uh fit into a passing quarterbacks uh in, into that box and uh and it was going to take his instincts away um and and thus far now he 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 has an ankle issue, supposedly, uh, that ha- that happened against Houston and that limited uh, some of his mobility. But so mm-hmm. far we have seen exactly what I feared from the offense. Meanwhile, I mean, I wrote about this in the preview too. He kept Marcel Yates as defensive coordinator. Uh, Marcel Yates has uh, has thus far been a pretty terrible defensive coordinator and he kept him. So, I mean, I, I think those are both red flags for me and I, I, I was hoping that everything would work out because I, I just really enjoy Khalil Tate. Um, but I think at this point, at this moment in time, I would have enjoyed Khalil Tate running a triple option a little more than I uh, enjoy watching the current Arizona offense function.
0: Um, Marcel Yates was hired by Rich Rodriguez from Boise to come to Arizona specifically because they liked what he had done at Boise with what what people in the Pac-12 always stupidly perceived to be like, oh, well, you know, we can get more talent than Boise. And what they're thinking about are, are the actual like recruiting stars. And that was the case, but he is—he never put it together at Arizona and then hired to be a recruiter, hired for his effectiveness in, in um,
1: Southern he California. Really, he didn't really improve Arizona's recruiting rankings either.
0: No. And then on top of that, this weird thing happens, which always happens around that particular time of year, is that you get these like local folk hero stories about interim coaches. Um, the SEC has dealt with a spate of this. Matt Luke... At Um it's it's a strange thing. It's 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 not completely native to college football. It happens in the NFL as well sometimes. But you know, for every Dabo Sweeney you get, um, you know, Marcel Yates didn't get the head job, but he becomes this guy who's like holding the locker room together and all this other stuff during right. the Richrod mess. I just don't understand why the, the universe didn't say, "Hey, thanks so much." you know, you did a great job. We're going to move on. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's not like someone couldn't have gone out and recruited a really strong defensive yeah. coordinator. And I also know that Yates was being pushed on a lot of people that were, that were talking to Arizona about the job. And that just doesn't make sense to me at all.
1: Yeah. No, we obviously, we're not in the the coach's offices. We don't know what goes on on that side. All I know is the results that he has produced have been terrible and did not warrant him... Being retained. I mean, Arizona's defense was young as hell last year. And so maybe that had something to do with it too. But uh, thus far this year, it has not really been any better. So, uh,
0: uh, Bud Foster, before anyone says that this is not a Bud Foster thing, absolutely not. Bud Foster, totally unique situation. Um, I am kind of still though impressed that they, they were able to marry what Fuente likes to do on offense and what Bud likes to do on defense. And everything seems, at least from the outside, to be great. Um, you know virginia tech's got a lot of weight in in what went on when beamer built the program from scratch and obviously we understand that it's the same as any other situation where like you know bowden at fsu or whatever but I mean Foster is also to compare Gates and Foster. Well, yeah, no, I don't. Know, I, I was never. I was, I was, at, I was pre. I was anticipating someone saying, "Well, what about Bud Foster staying on when yeah, Flint no, got hired?" I mean, that re- is retaining the a
1: historically great defensive coordinator is yeah. a little different than it's
0: the rarest freaking exception I can think of. Bill, there, there wasn't necessarily a theme when you do the autopsy on week two, but um, you start poking around at like the concept of oh, so and so had a good loss. Um, this is something I really wanted to. Get into as it relates to Texas A and M because it may be the best loss I've ever seen <laughs> um, for a program. Uh, the problem is, contextually, I can't I, I can't really build a theme out of it to talk about anybody else. As I scroll through, um, there were a lot of just straight up bad losses, um, but this was a this was a uh, you know you didn't win the football game. I'm doing my best term, yeah. um, but. I talked to people that were there that are involved at A&M. They were like not high fives in the parking lot and the exiting the stadium. There was a palpable positive energy Yeah, at Kyle field.
1: Yeah. And I mean, now all you got to do is keep it up <laughs> and, and that's easier said than done sometimes. But it was, it, it was the, just the, the fight that they showed there was obviously exactly what you wanted to see if you're kind of monitoring the growth progress process.
0: It was very interesting to see um, this is a blind spot of mine uh, and I and if you are an AM fan and you follow anime media you know we don't Mo, Bill and I don't dive into the narratives that only you know th- there's there's narratives and talking points and things that only exist at the beat writer level that's why beat writers are so damn important and good beat writers are essential to the sport but there's also narratives then, that outsiders have when they come in to look at a program it's all just about context and perspective so what I'm about to say may or may like you know an A and M fan who consumes nothing but A and M content may laugh at me, but I was shocked at how well the passing game looked, like how effective they were passing the ball. Which stupidly, as I'm sitting there thinking, that was never a problem at A and M. That wasn't the issue. I was really impressed with Mike Elko. I was really impressed yep. with the personnel. Um, that was, I think, more of a feat. And we had a tough – at least I did. I had a tough time figuring out what 2018 A&M was going to be in the preseason uh, because there were so many dramatic changes taking place. Um, the style of offense being dramatically different and then the defense just having to be something. Um, I, I know we're going to temper everyone's expectations because they're on a wave right now. Long-term expectations go nuts. Have a blast. Yeah, You hired always. a national title-winning coach. Short-term expectations, we are going to temper y'all down a little bit. However, defensively, I was very, very impressed with Elko. Um, I was very, very impressed with what they were able to do with the personnel that they had. Um, and it's not like they had a, a ton of time to go out and recruit a different style of player, especially in the front seven.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I st- this also kind of triggered a lot of last year's uh, – the problems I had last year with Clemson. <laughs> so, I mean, we'll see – We'll see how they develop throughout the year, uh, which quarterback ends up playing more here in another month or so and all those Mm -hmm. other things. So I I, I do like – yeah, I'm not going to – I'm not anywhere near reaching conclusions, but A&M clearly coached a very good game. Let's put it that way. And and in the second half, I mean, you know – Mon was throwing some prayers here and there, like he his, you know he was he like fortunes were kind of smiling on him a little bit. Um, oh, he threw a it, couple
0: balls that were completions that he shouldn't have thrown.
1: Right, and and so you know if we're if we're grading things out, you're like okay, you don't get full credit for that one, and blah 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 blah. But the bottom line is this was the second game of the Jimbo Fisher era. He had a true sophomore a quarterback who was, I mean, a four star kid, a blue chipper by all means, um, and it it, it certainly had the feeling of a quote unquote coming of age thing for Mond especially. And we'll just have to see. Like two months from now, if if he's, you know, threatening four thousand passing yards and all that stuff, we'll say, yep, the Clemson game's where the 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 switch got flipped. But sometimes we we talk about switches getting flipped and then it just turns out it was is something that happened and then and then the growth process was rickety as always. So yeah, we'll see what it means. But it it was definitely a good Saturday for A and M.
0: We talked about the situation with the touchback and everything else. And and I mentioned that how it could have things could have been different for a and m uh dylan uh at d davis three clemson obviously a clemson fan he said one thing on clemson they gave the ball back so quickly late in part yeah. because of the touchback had it been a tie or a two-point game they probably don't just run it up the uh sorry run right. it up the middle three times and punt yeah. up eight especially with this staff and that's something that you mentioned bill they're very content on they're very comfortable Making it uncomfortable and not running away with things. No. Uh, up eight, they would never attempt. Uh, they would never attempt to pass there. What were the plays on the drive after the touchback? Do you, uh, off the top of your head, do you remember?
1: Uh, I was listening on the radio at that point, but I think it was just run, run, run. It was, um, yeah. Let me keep talking, vamp, and I'll look it up.
0: I mean, I see the point that Dylan's making. I still think because of momentum and because they were having success on defense late in the game, talking about A&M here because Clemson hasn't, hasn't solidified the quarterback situation yet. I think it's very possible that Clemson that A&M scores and they still end up giving the ball back in a pretty quick manner, because what they're going to do in that situation is they're It's going to be very tight and they don't want to make a mistake to set up. I think, yeah. Because it's Clemson, Bill. I think, let's say AM scores, they don't have the touchback situation pile on, all this crap, right? I think maybe Clemson comes out and does still try and grind it a little bit with with whatever it is that they do, and they give the ball back because they're just trying to play for overtime at that point.
1: Yeah. I mean, and you use the word momentum, which, you know, triggered a little, uh, it, my eye started uh, twitching a little bit. but um, You don't
0: believe in momentum?
1: I mean, I believe in defense is like doing well or whatever, but I don't know what I think. I think we, we use that word too much. Anyway, uh, the last two drives before that, so, well, I mean, the whole game, like basically, you know, Clemson goes three and out, ha- figures a couple, like has a nice touchdown drive, and then that gorgeous touchdown catch and run early in the game, but their drives since that long touchdown were punt, punt, turnover on downs, punt, punt, two, two straight good touchdown drives, punt, punt, punt. Um, but, you know, they've got nine plays, 46 yards, like if the, they score and the game is tied and Clemson gets the ball back with two and a half minutes left we certainly hadn't seen anything from kelly bryant over the course of two years really that to suggest like he was absolutely going to drive them down and 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 rally the team um that's a little unfair because he was 12 for 17 um so i mean maybe i mean he's 12 for 17 for 205 he had a lovely stat line um but, you know, maybe something does change there. But you know, bottom line is it was a touchback, and uh, Clemson did get the ball back, and they ran Kelly Bryant three straight times into the line for seven yards um, very, very, very predictably. Uh, and then, and not only that, then they unleashed a terrible punt that it went just 22 yards. That, that was the situation, and Clemson did not respond well to it, and they got lucky at the end that, uh, that the, the play call, the two-point conversion play call didn't work out. <laughs>
0: I was I was going to switch and ask you about um, Nebraska, but I just saw something as I was digging through. ESPN has something called the ESPN Playoff Predictor. Sure. Um, which just makes me want to barf because ESPN has such a heavy heavy hand in the actual playoff itself. Yeah, but it really, anyway, it's it, the stats it, it the always toes. drives me nuts when they act like it. Just their church and state philosophy is shaky at best. Um, Anyways, this guy, uh, Seth Wald- Walder, says uh, from the analytics team, Boise State has a 9% chance to reach the playoff per the ESPN playoff predictor. The chances for the Broncos would improve to 19% with a win at Oklahoma State next week and would reach 56% if they win out. mm mm-hmm. um, and then the current playoff predictor, I don't know what this is made up of, and we're two weeks into the season. So no, it's just—I
1: mean, it's a—it's a, a projections model with their FBI, so you kind of have project out their record and say they've got an X percent chance of. Isn't the FBI but, ass though? Like, don't no, 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 not at all. It's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's reputation is that it's ass. It's actually very good. Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. No. Quit it's, tempering
0: it's, it's, me, making fun of ESPN. Uh, number one, they have Alabama with a sixty-eight percent chance to make the playoff. Two, Ohio State, 57. Georgia, 350. Actually, Georgia and Oklahoma are tied at 50%. And then for some reason underneath that is Clemson at 52%. I don't know. And then below that is Penn State, Notre Dame, and Stanford, whatever. Um, Is there anything – USC, is there anything like that we take from that other than that just don't have an offense yet?
1: Uh, Not really. I mean – they, they just don't have an offense yet. They have a, I mean, they, a freshman quarterback uh, struggled uh, on the road too. in his first uh, game. They, they played things very conservatively. They got away with part of that because Stanford wasn't doing just a ton offensively. Um, yeah. I mean, their offensive efficiency numbers are even worse than last year so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a major problem for them last year. So I'm definitely, I'm not crowning them yet. But, um, yeah, they were staying close enough because their defense was playing pretty well, and so they kept things conservative on offense because they were within striking distance, and and they just, you know, their freshman quarterback wasn't ready to, to make the plays yet.
0: So with that defense, because, um, like, so Bryce Love has the big first drive. Right. And then they just kind of start beating the crap out of him.
1: Yeah, two straight games, Bryce Love hasn't done a whole hell of a lot and i know that has a lot to do with defenses so i don't want to say you know he's a disappointment or anything like that and they have passed the ball um pretty well but they've passed it better than they've run it at least uh with no i'm just thinking i'm thinking
0: like usc knew what was coming and it the success that stanford had late i felt like was more just an inevitability because usc had nothing going on offense i'm just sitting here thinking about sam darnold scoring like a hundred friggin points for the jets I mean USC would be USC again if they had their quarterback this season. Twenty eighteen USC would have been formidable. Sure, yeah. It's just interesting to think about because now the cycle it may be, it may be a season or two before you can realistically put USC back in that kind of conversation. Uh, of course, I don't sure know. I think
1: they'll be pretty good by the some, end of
0: the year. Some jack off will, but um. All right, moving on. Uh, quick shout out UL Monroe two and O Hawks. Hell yeah. Um, very excited about that. Um. Well, I know a lot of Baylor fans had been t- uh tweeting talking about worried about utSA Baylor you're 2 and0 um you're 2 and0 you scored 37 points um things aren't what they were and they never will be but Matt rule is being left alone and and being allowed <laughs> to being allowed to slowly you know build mm-hmm. and I'm not I mean they're two and0 now I'm I i, I, I would not expect much for the rest of the season but um it's impressive nonetheless to look at it like 2-0 yeah. baylor given everything else that's gone on it yeah. really is to me um hey shout out to indiana by the way remember i i think i said on one of the shows that indiana virginia game would be a really damn good win for either yeah either program so now indiana's 2-0 um i'd like to see tom allen make a bowl. he's a nice guy
1: yeah they have in- uh ball state and michigan state the next two weeks um and they have home games against Maryland and Purdue as well. so they could just about get to bowl eligibility without winning on the road. We'll see if they can uh, keep really that
0: together. ready for in two weeks we're gonna be talking about an Oregon team that's gonna play Stanford mm-hmm. on national television mm-hmm. and we're not gonna know anything about them <laughs> because they're playing San Jose this San week. Jose, I just realized like I was like, I'm ready to talk about Oregon, but like there's just pff, nothing there um, is there anything else that you want to clean up from week two before we do (laughs)
1: uh probably not um i will uh oh oh no wait i had to ask
0: quality quality loss sure it was not a quality loss for nebraska
1: no it was me
0: on but sell me on the positive takeaways there and then if you can this is really a tough task sell me on the positive takeaways that that south carolina was in a punt was like sort of a striking distance at
1: halftime <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that one's that one's on. um, Nebraska Just don't
0: worry about the second half with with South Carolina
1: Nebraska and I don't remember if I mentioned this on Sunday or not like they moved way up in S p plus uh, after losing to Colorado uh, because they b- for us uh, taking turnover uh, luck out of the equation they beat Colorado like they yeah. they their success rate was 52 percent to Colorado's 35 percent that wins you the game almost every time Um so like it, it took oddities for them to lose they should have won they looked pretty good uh just on paper with the stats playing out adrian martinez who doesn't sound like he has a serious serious injury like they were fearing he went 15 for 20 for 187 good stuff like they they kind of they look they mostly looked the part well i i don't want to say too much i didn't watch all of the game they had way too many breakdowns on passing downs i recall but they did everything but win and they're probably okay in that regard. So um, I don't want to sell them as, as any sort of massive thing, but uh, don't let the loss fool you. They looked pretty good.
0: Yeah, uh, and as far were. as
1: South Carolina goes, eh, I mean, I have, I think with South Carolina, it just depends on whether you're viewing them as a top 40 team or a top 15 team. I know a lot of South Carolina fans are viewing themselves as a top 15 team. I was That's never, a really
0: good context, Bill, because I really like what they're doing on the whole, uh, but it's Georgia. And I mean, it's just a golf, man.
1: Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm not I, – I mean, we've talked about this many times. I, I'm not nearly as sold on MustChamp as a whole, um, and uh, you know, I'm not sold on their idea of, uh, you know, the, 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 the suddenly we're going to be a hurry-up team or whatever. Um, but, you know, just as uh, – overall, they're certainly a top 30 or 40 team, and they played like it against a top five team. So they were close at yeah. halftime at home, uh, and then they weren't as close. Bill –
0: I'm told not to read something verbatim. Do you know what that something is? It's an advertisement for hair loss and wiener pills. Do you know who I'm talking about, Bill?
1: There, there is only one official um, testosterone uh, replenishment supplement of of podcast played Nobody.
0: Uh, that's right. It's 4hims.com. That's right. Forhims.com. Sixty-six percent of men lose their hair by the age of thirty-five. Uh, Attention dads This is a dad podcast It's really not Um, And those of you Who are laughing At the fact that This company Continues to buy ads On our show They buy ads On lots of things And one day You will be old as well So Are you worried About a bald spot Are you worried About your wiener Um, You need to go To 4 it's a one-stop shop for hair loss, skincare, and I like how they bury it at the end. Sexual wellness for men. Uh, certainly, a lot of people are concerned about their hair, but I, I think this is also just a really nice place for people who want to get their uh, get their blue pills on the DL. Um, so, what you do at 4 is you talk to a, a real doctor, and they give you medical-grade solutions to treat that hair loss, and also maybe a wiener issue. Um, there's no waiting room, there's no awkward, any kind of you know, conversation in, a, in an exam room about your bald spot and or wiener. Um, so you get to go and save basically a lot of face, a lot of time, um, nurse that bald spot and or genitalia by going to 4 It's very easy. You answer a few quick questions. The doctor will review your situation, again, be it alopecia or dick hardness, and then basically hand you what you need. So, it's 4 Again, 4 Uh There's a special trial month for just $5, while supplies last. But the way you get that $5 trial is by going to 4 slash nobody. It's 4 slash nobody. Uh, that will get you a $5 trial. It's worth a heck of a lot more than that. You don't have to go to the pharmacy. You don't have to go to the doctor. You can fix your head. <laughs> And your other head as quickly and as privately as you would like. Okay, Bill. Uh, we're going to get into a little hashtag, AskPAPN. As always, you can ask questions for myself and the robot by going to Reddit. Um, it's r backslash. Is it a backslash or slash?
1: I think it's backslash.
0: Whatever. It's uh, PAPN on Reddit. Uh, you can go there, and then you can also hit us up on Twitter, hashtag AskPAPN. Now, of course... We're doing something a little different right now because we're in the middle of, uh, I don't know if I would, I would continue to say full-on charity drive, but what we decided to do is kind of jump on a horse in the middle of the race. Um, there was a GoFundMe that was set up. It came to my attention. Um, if you've been listening to this show, you know who I'm talking about. It's a young man named Kane to, Uh If you are a Florida fan, you definitely remember him. As part of the uh, Money Down crew, uh, the the students that went bon- – they were not not regular students in the stands, but like student assistants for the football program at UF when uh, Jeff Collins, who's the head coach at Temple, when he was the DC there under Jim McElway, and they would do a lot of crazy wild stuff on the sidelines on third down. It kind of became a meme and a thing, and it was something that other SEC fans had picked up on. Um, Kane was working for Coach Collins at Temple. He uh, found out that he has leukemia, which is, uh, is devastating, but uh, his family in is, is helping to raise, or I guess uh, friends of his family are helping to raise money on this GoFundMe. Um, Kane and his family are fighting this. Um, it's, it's obviously, I think he's 24 years old, so it just uh, it's devastating. It's a life-changing thing, and um, one of the things that we can do is uh, direct you guys, and you are an awesome audience. You always have been, and when we do charity drives, you guys really show up and show out. Uh, This has been no exception, so I'm very proud of y'all. I've got six questions here. We also had an individual, um, Nicholas, buy a segment. We're going to put that on Thursday's show because Bill, um, By the the difference is that if you – I said $30 or more, uh, we will guarantee that your question gets read and answered on the air. If you wanted to buy a segment, it would be, we would talk for a minimum of 15 minutes, and when have we ever done the minimum on this freaking show? <laughs> um, and in the case of the segment that was purchased, uh, there's a little homework for Bill, so uh, we're going to prep that for Thursday's show. So we have six questions here. We're going to go through those, and then what we'll do is if we have any remaining time, we'll just go through the regular ones again. But if you were, if you want guaranteed uh question asking to make the show um as we continue to go through the season we get more and more questions it gets harder and harder it's i mean i don't know what i even said the probability was last week but it's 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 even lower now so um this is a really good cause if you want to do this the best way to do it i pinned the link to the gofundme on my twitter page don't if you use a twitter client just go to twitter.com 38 godfrey it's pinned go to the gofundme uh, give as much as you can, we appreciate that, and then send me some sort of proof, you can screenshot it, you can do whatever, there's the receipt that comes in your email via GoFundMe as well, my email is in my Twitter bio, send that to me along with your question, and we will answer that question guaranteed, also if you'd like to purchase a segment of 15 minutes or uh, or more, uh, I think we said 250 so I know that's a lot of money for a lot of people, but it's going to a really good cause. You guys are driving a lot of folks to the GoFundMe. It looks like we're just getting people who are just throwing 5, 10, 15, 20 bucks in that didn't necessarily even have a question that are just PAPN listeners. So, um, just just for Bill and I to feel warm and fuzzy, tag it with PAPN just so we know. We're not trying to take credit for anything. I just want to know how effective our audience can be. Um, it's also good uh, to be totally honest with y'all in a corporate sense where you can kind of go in and say, look, it's all about all the BS that goes on in media right now. It's all about community and your audience and your platform. And the stronger you guys are in moments like this, the better the chance that we have to expand the show and do more fun stuff um, for free. I like free. Feel good? Yeah, free. Free show right now. Free show. We work uh, work for SB Nation. We, we give mm-hmm. you guys the show, so occasionally we hit you up, at pass around the plate for a good cause. So um, also – I there's no real deadline on this like i'm gonna we're gonna see we're real busy right now because it's the um the whole you know like we're we're in the guts of the season and so it's hard for us in the offseason this usually plays a little bit better but we're gonna try and do as best we can to keep this thing going um okay we're gonna do we're gonna do six questions bill and then we're going to jump into the regular stuff so again one more time Go to my Twitter page. It's on the GoFundMe link. Uh, you can get all the information there. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. This is the, the – there. several of these – several of y'all are just super nice. Uh, Zach <laughs> Shepard Shepherd emailed in. He said, I really appreciate how much you guys care about these causes. I don't have an obligatory West Virginia question for you. He said WVU uh, for at the moment, but I'm happy to help as much as I can. Nonetheless, Roll Tide. Uh, well, Zach, we can talk West Virginia, definitely. Um, yep. There's not a lot to talk about yet, but I haven't <laughs> changed my stance at all. And granted, Pruitt's Tennessee and you know year one game, one week one, um, being what it was, uh, I am not dissuaded in the least about Will Greer, and I really like what West Virginia is doing. Um, it's h- one of those teams that I'm kind of anxious. I know we rush through the season, and then we're stuck in that long offseason, but I really hate this time of year because – we're all talking about it all the time and writing about it all the time, but we just don't have available information. And West Virginia is another example of this.
1: Yeah, um, the, I, I well, I feel like you know it is my job to always kind of pee on a on a parade w- regarding West Virginia. Uh, their offense has been uh, as ridiculous as it was supposed to be. The defense still has me concerned uh, from an efficiency standpoint. They're giving up a lot on. Um, on the ground like their pass defense is okay but like Mm -hmm. this tim jordan dude for tennessee had a really nice day um and just overall let's see right now in overall success rate they are 105th and they've played tennessee and youngstown state so that's very scary um they've still got some work to do on that side of the ball but um i mean you know they're gonna they they're, they're going to obviously have the offense as long as Will Greer stays healthy they're going to have the offense to to keep up with anybody now they're you know we were going to potentially learn quite a bit this weekend but their game at North Carolina State has already been moved um or you know po- for now canceled but probably rescheduled here uh upcoming uh and that stinks. i mean we- we- I mean, we'll, we'll talk about this a little more on the Thursday show, but the weather is, uh, has already been more disruptive than usual, I think, and it is about to get really, really, really disruptive. Uh, so it's going to keep us from learning some things. Obviously, these are secondary concerns to the actual people having mm-hmm. to deal with an actual hurricane, but regardless, it is um, going to impact football a, a decent amount. And so we, you know, they play Kansas State in two weeks at home, then they go to Tech. I mean, we'll eventually start to learn stuff about that defense, but I think we know what we need to know about the offense. Uh, Kieran
0: O'Connor I'm going to read Kieran's question out of order just because he talks first uh, about the money down thing he said uh, you know the money down thing was a, a big thing for the team at Florida Uh, but the fans and student section completely bought in as well each third down the student section would raise their hands and make the money gesture while dancing screaming doing student section things and he attached a really cool picture as well I'll tweet it out Uh, it made for a great atmosphere which is why we love college football thanks in advance for your answer to my question and raising awareness to the cause now Kieran as you might have gathered is a Florida fan Um, so he sent this before the Kentucky game Um, so contextually just keep that in mind Kieran said, you have been on record as saying you expect Georgia to run the SEC East for the foreseeable future. What do you think is the biggest obstacle to UF getting back to the same elite status? Is it administration-related, Dan Mullen-related, or is UGA accomplishing things with their program that you don't think Florida can? Um, So let me cut the quick things off of this role first because I'm going to get into football specifics with you. It's not administration-related. Florida's an administration that built and fostered national titles, and they do it across multiple sports. It's by virtue of the fact that they have a, a they're they're very good at what they do, and um, they're in Florida. I don't I'm not trying to be like flippant about this, but uh, Florida realized the power that they could have a long time ago. They did a great job in building a, uh, building those things out. I, I have no qualms with Florida in terms of an administration or fundraising or anything like that. I do think that the higher – cal I do think the sleepiness that we've made fun of before about Florida fandom has seeped upward into some of the higher donor circles. Uh, This is just anecdotal things that I've picked up, and and, and that happens. Texas is the king of that. I mean, there's an expectation, and anything that happens underneath it, whether it needs support or not, usually goes ignored until you're in this like, oh, wait, or, or wake me up when we get to the national title, you know? that has to change but that's not really an administration related problem because I can tell you knowing Scott Strickland decently he came from an environment in Mississippi State where they gotta work their ass off for everything in terms of like if you wanna have a conversation about competing in the SEC so he doesn't have that mentality I think Florida donors and Florida fans need to wake up a little bit and understand the situation they're in it is not doomsday now is it Dan Mullen related everyone's gonna wanna talk about what happened on Saturday Uh, it happened. Um, it's the first year for a new head coach. I kind of thought Florida sucked more than their record represented against under under McIlwain. I well, know that they went. I know that they won the division twice, and all. I get that. Well, they, but they like,
1: sucked last year. There's no. There's no doubt that.
0: Yeah, but I know. I saw this rubber band thing happening with logic on Saturday night. With this should never happen. McIlwain's <laughs> team won the division twice. Mullen is not inheriting a tire fire, da 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 da, -da. and I'm like, yeah, but like there was an obvious decline, and there was there were major issues on offense, which is why you went out and got Dan Mullen. You got Dan Mullen because he was the offensive coordinator for Urban Meyer, and and he coached Tim Tebow. Like that's why you hired him. Okay, there I know he had a, a tremendous amount of success at Mississippi State relative to Mississippi State he was not a big game coach but i don't think that that prohibits him from having success in florida um i think florida florida's just waking up right now to and realizing that they kind of they fell asleep and they fell off the perch yeah it doesn't um, mean you can't get back to the perch though any you're you're earmuffs like you're fucking fuck- florida stop like
1: Stop with the whining. <laughs> yeah, Florida maybe last year. Maybe
0: that's directed at my
1: coworkers. Florida last year, four wins, number eighty-six in S and P Plus, number one hundred eight in offensive S and P Plus. Um, there was reason to believe that a better offensive coaching could make things better. Um, and I mean, technically, uh, overall, right now, I mean, obviously, this includes a game against. An FCS opponent. I mean, they're top, they're, they're 33rd in offensive success rate, 45th in defensive success rate. There's nothing two games in to suggest, like, oh my God, they're going to go one and 11. Um, they just lost to a team that has one of the best running backs in the country. Uh, they couldn't stop him, and and that's something we started to see last year too. Is suddenly you know they didn't have the defense to lean on either to go with the the, the mm-hmm. shaky offense. They suddenly had a shaky defense too, um, and the, you know all of these things add up to <laughs> making a coaching change. And two games in, losing to a team with a really good running back uh, that that had a has it seems to have a better feel for what it's good at and what it's not good at. My God, let's not. Over Overthink this. It's it's two games yeah. into a tenure, and just because you lost to a team you haven't lost to in 31 years or whatever it was, you probably you should have lost to them three or four times. There was a lot of really weird randomness and in and, and the streak a, a streak against almost anybody should never get to 31. So it was time. It was time for the streak to end. Florida's not a great team. Florida could still be a good team. Florida could still be a, a, a very good team down the line. It's two games in. It's two games in, it's two games in.
0: I don't um I don't think anybody gives I, I I don't think they care about that streak. I don't think Florida cares about that streak.
1: I'll I think they were you. you know Florida the more miserable Florida fans were using it as a like a, a box to check. You know, like, we like, yep, we're out, terrible. Yeah. Like okay, oh, well. we bottomed
0: out. No, I just it was a fluky streak. Anyways, it was just an aberration because of division scheduling. I, I mean, people in Lexington didn't even care that much until it gets to be football season, and then you know wait a month and they're going to be worried about hoops. Um, just Mark Stoops is in year. F-
1: Five,
0: six, I think six. Uh, I think that has a lot to do with it. There was more cohesion on the field
1: with right. Kentucky. And I'm not. I mean, I'm not going to say Kentucky. I don't want to go too far and say like, well, Kentucky's an awesome team. That's why you lost. We don't know if Kentucky's awesome or good or decent or whatever. Uh, but I know Benny Snell's awesome, and I know he had an enormous day. And sometimes that's enough. Well, the, so
0: Karen's question again was written before this happened, right? Uh, and they're talking about what's going on in Georgia. What's going on right, in Georgia is kind of what happened at Florida a long, long time ago. And what happened at LSU in two thousand and one. They woke up and they realized what they could be. And they started, you know, they, they decided to go be it. And that doesn't necessarily again, there there's I wouldn't say rising and falling in the Southeastern Conference, because I don't believe in that. Maybe it's because of where I went to college. I know where the I know where that hidden line is, okay? And I know what it takes for someone below that line to come up, what it takes to stay there, and how damn near impossible it is. But Florida, there's waxing and waning in the SEC. I'll put Mm -hmm. it that way. And so you might be waning at the moment at Florida, but I don't think that you're out of it forever. And I also keep in mind, everyone's talking about you know Georgia's running away with the division. Yes, they are built for the future to look a lot like Alabama. I said on the recap show, they remind me of like, Alabama a couple years ago before Nick Saban broke down and embraced new ideas on offense, but that's just cause Jim Cheney, but that doesn't mean that you can't have two powerhouses in the same division. That's what the yeah. West has been built on for the past 15 years.
1: Yeah. I mean, basically this is a situation where, you know, it depended on how like, of course George is going to play a role, but it, it, part of it depends on how, what you're deeming as successful for Dan Mullen. If it's basically, can he put a top 10 or 15 product on the field consistently? Yes. Um, will that be enough to win divisions like it was three, four, five, six years ago? No. Um, you you might have a you you might find yourself going insane like LSU did for a number of years, where they were clearly very good but not as good as the, as uh, a division rival. It, it could be a situation like that, and and you can go insane and make bad choices when that happens. But um, I, you, know, it, you can still put a top ten, top fifteen product on the field.
0: Florida fans, as far as I can remember, haven't had. The, a situation in which they feel like the underdogs since the Bowden era at FSU, and they they eclipse that by beating them in the national championship, and then really ever since then Florida has been a front runner, and there's a laziness that that comes with that, and it's not an insult to Gator fans. It happens literally everywhere in everything that you do, every sport. When you're on top that long, complacency builds. Um, congratulations, you're an underdog again. <laughs> and I don't know, that doesn't mean I think is going to go on a 10-year run. Or I'm just saying, like, right now, in this moment, you are not the best program de facto in the SEC East. Yep. You need to focus in 20. 20- now, here's the good news. Regardless of what Dan Mullen does, look, you're your first-year head coach at Florida. You have a really, really good shot at being the second-best team in the, co- in the division. I don't see why Florida couldn't be the second-place team in the division this year. I really don't. I don't even I mean, mean I, I don't even mean in this I don't even mean in the division standings. I mean when we leave this year mm-hmm. we say yeah, Florida's the second best team. They got it together late or they did this. And then then you go out you recruit your ass off for a little while. Right. And then the biggest thing you do is you let Dan Mullen get a quarterback. And no offense to Nick Fitzgerald, no offense to Dak Prescott. No offense, I mean you let Dan Mullen get a real five-star ass quarterback. And then things will start to look like they used to over time, but you can't be complacent anymore. And that it's a fan base that is entitled as hell, and God <laughs> do they whine. But like, this is your new reality. You are literally starting kind of out of the blocks in the same in the same space as Florida State. That's something you need to be mindful of as well. Maybe some. Epic recruiting battles between those two schools in the next five years. That's Epic all and say.
1: maybe potentially semi-desperate recruiting battles oh, when it comes to buddy! please, I we qualified. really need to turn this around.
0: I am uniquely qualified to comment on several aspects of the situation and I am issuing a no comment at the moment on what's going to go on when th- those schools recruit. Wow. Um, I don't even want to talk about it right now. <laughs> I just got, it just shook me a little bit. Hey, we're going to go look, it's a theme show. People pay money. Here's what I've learned. People are paying money so that we can make them contextualize misery, which makes sense. Sure. Uh, Joey Telez says, I hope I I pronounced your name right. Uh, I probably messed this up, but attached my screenshot. You didn't. Good job. Uh, I don't Twitter or Reddit. Guess what, Joey? You are are smarter than 90% of the people in my industry. Uh, My request is a somewhat hopeful discussion for, take a guess, Bill, a Longhorn fan stuck with a mediocre team and an arrogant – here's the. Here's where it gets salty. Ooh. Let me repeat this. Uh, discussion for a Longhorn fan stuck with a mediocre team and an arrogant, condescending coach with Lincoln Riley and Jimbo cleaning house and pushing the needle. Please give me some semblance of hope this season and the next couple. And then parentheses he wrote, micro macro view. Please love the podcast and thank you. Hook them, Joey. Hook them, Joey. Um, damn, y'all. We given up already on Tom? Where do we start here, Bill?
1: <laughs> well, um, there are certain personalities that um, after confident or after good performances you love. And then that same personality after a bad performance you think is condescending and arrogant. Um, so I, I'm not going to really acknowledge that part. Uh, I will point out that Texas had the number three recruiting class in the country last year. And um, They are currently – I don't like early recruiting rankings, but they're 12th currently uh, this year. Uh, I think things are coming along just fine. Obviously, the second year – I mean, look, he hired Tim Beck as his offensive coordinator, and Tim Beck um, hasn't (laughs) – he must be Sucks. great. He must be amazing to work with. He must be a great chemistry guy because you know Urban Meyer really liked him. Tom Herman went out of his way to get him from Urban Meyer's staff. Now Urban at that point might have been like, okay, yeah, okay, you can have him. But um, clearly, Tom Herman has proven himself to be a very good offensive mind, and he thinks Tim Beck is worth having around. Uh, the results don't really defend that, and and this year has not started off offensively as well as maybe we would have thought. But again. Mm-hmm. That, their loss to Maryland was funky, and uh, this last week, you know, things were mostly okay. They fell asleep. Tulsa's got a good offense, made a couple plays, whatever. Um, this is not going as I envisioned it, but it's also not a complete and abject disaster yet. It does, um, it does make Saturday's game against USC very big because if they, you know, USC obviously doesn't have their act together just yet, uh, offensively at least um and it's a massive opportunity for them to beat a helmet team you know to to go out and take on a supposed blue blood even if it's a blue blood figuring itself out uh to take on a blue blood and beat them at home in front of the home crowd it would be a very good idea for them to win that game otherwise um it will get i mean he's not on the hot seat nothing super bad is going to happen or anything like that but it's just yeah there's a lot of negativity at the moment and there's a chance to stem that a little bit
0: i love college football they're going to beat the brakes off of USC this weekend in Austin. And yeah, this is all going to disappear. It,
1: we'll see. By the way, um, I always talk a lot about Tom Herman, how he, you know, he love. He's great at coaching underdogs and bad at coaching favorites. Um, USC not looking amazing so far has made them at least. Yeah, less- but
0: but it's a self loathing competition, and right now Texas is winning because I'm going to tell you right now they are still there. Look, they're still a gog that they went 0 for against this uh, uh maryland uh, in a one and one and then they look like shit against tulsa
1: yeah they're actually they're a three and a half point favorite against usc so which i know which, but I'm which telling brain you, which brain will they have going no i'm not I, talking about the fans i'm talking about the team like no which, i'm talking
0: i'm talking about the culture around well Tom, i understand i think i think it's going to i think it's going to in it's ha- i mean it's tuesday so you're in day like two probably like two starting full install so i guarantee you right now everything is underdog 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 Yeah. even though it isn't actually an underdog <laughs> thing Yeah, it better be. by the way watching the fox commercials for this oh man yesterday man sucks for them they really thought they had something on this one <laughs> um i shouldn't say that because again I, I don't like to make fun of any any home and home that takes place on a campus um i think joey that um lincoln riley inherited in a pretty amazing situation i think lincoln riley <laughs> yeah. is a is a really good play caller um and i think that uh inherited he, baker
1: mayfield and kyler murray
0: i think that oklahoma hums along quite nicely but i don't like again it's not I always caution Texas fans against worrying about unseating Oklahoma because just from an SEC perspective, we just talked about this. Yeah, it's just not get really good about first. unseating Oklahoma. Right. Just be good on your own terms because you guys are built to be really good in ways that no one else in the conference can, can be. And by the way, much love to, to TCU. We're going to talk about them in the big game this weekend. And I really hope, I hope TCU changes my mind, but like it really is Texas and Oklahoma. It's <laughs> sort of why the pig 12 is what it is, but I wouldn't worry so much about Lincoln Riley and what they're doing. Jimbo, you don't play him. Stop being worried about it. Also, Jimbo cleaning house. Jimbo's been there for like what, is he talking about recruiting? He must be talking about recruiting. Right. Don't worry about recruiting right now. Tom can recruit. I wouldn't worry about any of this. Um I just nobody ever wants to give Texas the the time it takes to get it right. Nobody wants the nobody wants the building period. It's the weirdest, I guess, you know, maybe maybe we're dealing with the same thing in Florida in the last question. I understand what you perceive your brand to be, but no one is immune to a downturn. Even Alabama. If you're if you're listening to this and you're 24 years old, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But I promise you. Like it happens. When I was in college, Alabama wasn't, wasn't that good at football. Yeah. They really weren't. Cam Newton's OC was our head coach. Um, don't I, I wouldn't toss Herman out yet. I wouldn't worry about this Herman stuff with the Ohio State situation either, but that's a different
1: conversation. Kim Newton's former OC, by the way. Ooh. Wait, is Shula gone? Yeah, it's uh, Norv now. Pro Talk, Pro Talk, Pro Talk. Where'd Shula go? I, I don't know.
0: The idea. See, there you go. You guys worried about us being an NFL podcast? I had to Google the Bears head coach on Sunday night. <laughs> I didn't. Um, he's I knew oh, I, oh, uh, it was Casey's offensive coordinator. I knew who Matt Nagy was, but I just didn't know that he got the Bears job. Uh, I wasn't watching the game either. I was watching something
1: else. Mike Sheila is now the New York Giants offensive coordinator. So now he's so now he's Saquon's offensive coordinator. Oh, that sucks. For uh, <laughs> once you get it, once you get one of those jobs, you will never not have one of those jobs.
0: I'm telling you, Logan Patterson at football fun time. Good on you for, uh, you and Bill for using your platform to do something decent for someone you care about. Thank you. That's what good people do with their voice and their influence. Thank you, Logan. Uh, two, LOL. <laughs> Y'all got to talk about conference realignment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we have to talk Log- about conference realignment. Logan, you cad. Uh, let's say the SEC goes
0: big, snags Texas and Oklahoma when the current nope. Big 12, deer, big 12 <coughs> deal nears its end. Nope. Can't enunciate today. Does anyone want what's left? <laughs> Check this out. This is, is going to be fun. Please do a draft to divvy up the remaining oh, Big God. 12 members into the current conferences or make a whole new one. Um,
1: oh, all right. Um, you ready? How, how do we want to do this? And who am I? yeah i'm a little confused as like regarding the roles here all right so first well, of he left all, it he
0: left it open-ended and we're here to entertain so okay uh that leaves us right now um the current uh let's see so with the current big 12 mm-hmm. we would assume that given the trend we shouldn't assume this but we're just making up our own rules here sure yeah that it's going it, we're, we're gonna have a big four. So really, so We're let's have do this. Four what? Big four conferences. Oh, uh, so no. no. Just ha- wait. Wait. Hang on. Hang on. It. So here's what. Here's what. Everyone in the Big Twelve is secretly worried about that isn't that isn't Oklahoma or Texas, that it will amalgamate into the the uh, uh, four pillar conferences, and that the, everyone else will be cast aside. So it's really of. Do you jump onto one of those four rising pillars, or are you left in the wasteland and you have to join the American Athletic Conference tribe? That's really what we're talking about here. So, how about this? And I hope this satisfies the question, you know, in terms of because Logan paid for it. Um, real fast, mm-hmm. we're gonna do we're gonna do two things to satisfy this question. First off. We're going to read these off, and let's be quick, and then we'll try and draft them. Okay, so Oklahoma and Texas are out. Iowa State, I think it would go G5. Um,
1: uh, no, I don't I, – I, I struggle with the idea of w- going school by school because they are a bunch.
0: Okay, all right. All right, that's fine. Then how do you want to bunch them? I, Te- you, uh, Texas and Oklahoma are gone. <clears throat> I know right. the old adage from the Oklahoma legislature about state, but state's by yeah. itself in this scenario.
1: Sure. Um, looking at the remaining eight teams – Kansas and Kansas
0: State are part and parcel.
1: Yeah, I well, I, yeah. I, I think, just pissed um, off
0: both fan bases. By saying. Sure,
1: I I do think that uh, you know the most likely scenario here. Now, obviously, well, I just I you know I don't think the Pac-12.
0: Oh, by the way, and he also said the SEC took both Texas and Oklahoma. I know
1: which no, isn't no, isn't gonna.
0: Well, it's not? I mean, I know it's not going to happen. It's not that unlikely.
1: Uh, I think it's pretty unlikely. Um, okay, who so, does the
0: Big Ten want? They well, want Kansas. No, I know. Yeah, they, they want Kansas.
1: Kansas. That's fine. No, I, I, you know, uh, I don't know who else they would really think about. TCU or West Virginia? No, not West Virginia. Um, TCU or boy? Yeah. No, I think. Oh, I can like tell you right now. Oh,
0: oh, I've got one. I've got one for you. So let's say Kansas goes to the Big Ten. You know who else the Big Ten takes? TCU. That's Major market. DFW. You get games rotating into DFW all the time. TCU academics can get there if they're not already. It's a pretty hard school to get into. It's expensive as hell, but I know it's expensive and academic quality or not Yep. Yep. But enough said. TCU in Kansas to Big Ten. Okay. Congratulations for, for um, the
1: um, for the eight, for for us to believe in the four conference thing. We have to believe that the Pac twelve would take like four of these teams, and without Texas, I don't think they would. So I think that part kind of falls down. I think the most likely scenario here the, is uh, conference. I disagree. Are
0: I, I think the Pac twelve would. I think the Pac twelve just wants to go east in any way, shape, or form.
1: Well, but to get who at this point, especially if TCU does get scooped up by the Big Ten, who, what are they going to get? Texas well, hang on, timeout,
0: Like in the real world, in our in Earth six one six, they. Houston has talked to the Pac-12. Sure,
1: but so Houston's wha- not in so, the Pac-12, so, so,
0: so that's I mean, right? But why not? So let's say they scoop up like a Houston and then right, you so, pair it with like a Texas Tech and Oklahoma State. Okay,
1: so let's 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 think about instead of saying like this happens and this happens, here are the different things that are floating around. If Oklahoma and Texas suddenly decide uh, to, join to, to join the SEC, which again, no, um, and they both go to the West. <laughs> Huh. oh well, yes of course yeah, well you know, go to the West Well you know the, the if you twist things just right, maybe I will use in the east with no um, <laughs> basically you know the, the, at that point if they don't go to pods, I, I give up. Um, no so uh, the forces at play here, the AAC is starting is trying to figure out like can we become the new power conference? If we add like, if we add four teams or like eight teams or whatever, can we become a power conference? Will we finally be treated as the as, as a P five? If we kill one of the P five, so sport, you have Mike Aresco just like so, Stone so get, Cold Steve Austin right? You've got this thing. you've got Mike Oresko, Let's say, <laughs> no, here's my time, here's my moment. You've got you've got Larry Scott try, at, in the Pac twelve trying to figure out like, is it worth our you know? It, it, this is the best chance we're going to have. Who do we get that would make the most sense? You've got <laughs> yeah. the Big Ten looking at Kansas and maybe TCU and maybe whoever else like Big Ten's at least dab thinking about dabbling the ACCs is at least thinking about dabbling but the yeah. biggest two forces here are the AAC and the Pac-12 I think uh just because I still don't think I can't guarantee that the Pac-12 thinks well I don't know I think they. I guess they could at least if they're if they're thinking about Houston already then you know getting it like an Oklahoma State um an oklahoma state a texas tech a houston and then a, a, a somebody from like i don't know the mountain west or something to make mm-hmm. a 16 team conference there mm-hmm. sure uh that leaves a few schools for the for the aac um and and i think at that point maybe they the aac just vacuums up whoever's left uh and and hopes that they get treated like a p5 school at that point congrats iowa state yeah. So I, I think those are the two factors that work here. The, the ACC probably looks at Kansas because of basketball. Uh, and if they look at Kansas, they maybe also look at Kansas state or TCU or Oklahoma state, the, you know, the, the Atlantic coast conference, uh, Oklahoma state. Um, yeah. I, I, think those are what you're looking at. There is kind of a scrounging effect here, but I think the AAC is just ready to, to, to just suck in whoever doesn't get uh, taken elsewhere.
0: I think the Pac 12 wants central time zone football, is what I think. (laughs) No, I mean, no,
1: I mean, that's uh, yeah, like it's never that two hour. Okay, out of
0: of this scenario and mm -hmm. back into our reality, I'm telling you, the Pac 12 wants some central time zone football.
1: Um, We're not, you're never gonna like, I I understand why, but you're never gonna make that two, two hour time difference work or that three hour time difference with Eastern work. Like it's never gonna be amazing, but it'd be something
0: it would be a lot easier if you had conference games that had central time. So it'd be a lot easier. It is funny by Um, the way,
1: we talk about sometimes like Washington state or whoever having to play those one o'clock central games or the two, you know, that's, that's so early as if like, as left, as if the next home game I go to here at Missouri, isn't at 11 a.m. Central time. But anyway,
0: I hope that satisfied. That was a sloppy draft.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I just don't think it's a draft. I think you just have to talk about the forces at play. But yeah. I mean,
0: I think I think it's an exercise that it, that goes back to to what we already kind of knew, which is that people at K State, Iowa State, I think even Baylor after the scandal, mm. um, there are a lot of people that are worried about this, yeah. and they should
1: be. Yeah, I'm not trying to
0: stoke anxiety, but.
1: It's, I mean, it's not the it worst sucks. home in the world and maybe they can finagle no, the their dessert. way into being treated sort of kind of like a P5 or whatever. But yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's a realistic hey, potential. We
0: have, we have two more questions before we get out of here, but like, uh, they're bigger questions because they're donation questions, but like, they AAC, take a look around the last couple, the last two weeks. The mm-hmm. AAC will thump your ass. Yep. Like, they're getting better. I, I truly believe that. Um, or at
1: least they're not getting worse. Like, the, the, like no. a couple years ago, the quality they showed isn't yeah. subsiding. The stuff
0: that we kind of laughed at Oresco almost to his face about, like, I mean, like, you know, Scott Frost, I, I know it's still his team, and we're two weeks in, but, like, it's not like UCF just plummeted. All right. Um, J. Mark Carlton. Stephen, I wanted to let you know that uh, a tweet from you, uh, Stephen, I wanted to let you know that a tweet from you changed an inkling in my head from "Yeah, I should send a donation to a guy who used to work at my school doing something that made me smile sometime" to planned action by offering the guaranteed answer to a question on the podcast. Then I felt guilty that I hadn't done the virtuous thing for (laughs) virtue's sake, and then I took your enticement, so I decided to find myself an extra questions worth, and I donated sixty dollars. Wow! So here's what's crazy about this is that the question J. Mark Carlton asks is like so nice Um, (laughs) he said my question is this what is the best thing to come out of your doing PAPN and then he also wrote um Had a long week, so I wanted to ask you this to focus a minute on aspect or instance of doing PAPN that made you happy and would hopefully do the same for the listeners, especially those of us who put time into losing efforts, who know our team is going to get roasted again, proverbially and literally, and who still, much like Charlie Brown, will head back into next weekend hoping Lucy won't pull the football at the last second and send us flying only to land on our asses, like we're almost certain she will. (laughs) But she might not, but she probably will go gators thank you so much mark all right mark go gators i'm telling you god suck it up <laughs> um it's a great question mark thank yep. you so much for your donation and don't feel guilty any i don't who cares about the guilt like just it's a great donation you know if you give five bucks thank you um what is the best thing to come out of papn
1: i think the best thing for me like d- Tangibly, it would be the fact that we've raised a lot of money for a couple of good causes, and now a third good cause. So, there's, personally, as
0: personally, that. it's that at least the bosses know I'm doing something between <laughs> between major articles.
1: I think just like uh, you know, on a on a more abstract, on, on a spiritual level, um, it it has further kind of reinforced what I was already getting from working with SB nation as a whole. And that like, we are kind of all in this together and, um, there is, you belong to your school's community and that's fine. Um, and obviously we have those emotional attachments, those rooting interests, but this has so much further reinforced the idea that we are part of a college football community too, or a football community in general. Um, (laughs) see me working NFL back in there. Um, just that, like you know, we we all have our heartbreaking moments. We all have uh, our up cycles and down cycles. Of even Alabama, we all uh, you know. Obviously some of our, some of us enjoy more success for our team than others do, but we still have the same, just, it's the same cycle at different wavelengths or whatever. And we all go through the same things. And I think that's, you know, that has reinforced that. I think we have been able to, it's reinforced it with me, but I think we've been able to help communicate that to others. And I think we have therefore helped people to either like the sport more or still like the sport despite itself. Um, And yeah, those two are big. I mean, you know, I, I guess you're welcome. I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but it's, it is something that has happened and it's been very heartening. And and like the, the full cast thing a couple of weeks ago, having people who went there, obviously to see full cast and all that, but also to kind of see us um, and, and you know, just kind of reinforce the idea that this, is, this has been another way to connect with people and that's pretty cool.
0: I've got a ton of answers. It's hard. Um, you know, it makes me better. It makes me getting ready for the show and what the show has become and trying to keep pace with bill jesus <laughs> uh has made me more knowledgeable um it it's taught me how to research quickly like even though sunday i love getting ready for the sunday night shows where i have to keep pace with bill who's so automatic and fast and i don't even know that like he hands me the S&P plus top 25 with like very little notice and then it's just a it changes the way i think we all came together with with uh, certain beliefs and understandings and and I think we can change the way that a lot of people view the sport uh, ultimately you're never going to sway everybody you're always going to have bad uh you, you bad ideas out there um you know the 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 sh- the show's name is sort of honors that concept right um <laughs> so I'm thankful for that I'm thankful for the fact that Bill and I get to kind of just work through the sport in a way that I don't know if you could in any other medium. It's nice to work with someone. It's nice to – we all just sort of do our own content and come together because we're all in different parts of the country. Um, I, I will say this about the podcast at SB Nation have become, I think, a lot of times the truest representation of what the old pirate ship was. Back right. when it was very much a pirate ship of a company. Yeah. And um, – you know, we we we've gone through a lot. We've suffered some some things, and we've we've benefited from others. And like Espionation and Vox have changed a lot, but uh, it is nice to get in this space, um, in our instance, three times a week, and just get to the true thing. To get get to the the meaning of the thing. And um, yeah, I'm kind of got lost there for a second, Bill. But also, <laughs> like, I will say this: it's validation. Yeah, You know, it's, um, our numbers go up. I don't know. You check the numbers. I don't check the numbers. Our numbers are continuing to go up. Yes.
1: Uh, yeah. They just changed the way, uh, that they measure downloads. So technically no, but yes.
0: Okay. Um, I know our audience is getting bigger and I know our audience is getting, um, it's, it's strange. It's ex- expanding in total volume, but mm-hmm. also like in areas of influence. We have a lot of people who work in athletic departments who listen to us. Yeah. That's, that that's us. That's
1: weird. Ah, uh, it's great. I mean, it's because awesome, it, but that yeah. was something I didn't necessarily expect.
0: We can start conversations here that change things, uh, and I don't mean that in the super dumb, naive journalism way of like, I just got out of J school, in Missouri, and I'm going to hey, change the world." None of that crap. Use, I could have, I could have made the same use joke North, with Northwestern. Northwestern for this damn yeah.
1: example. Uh, I,
0: I mean that like we can just change people's perceptions of and 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 how you look and analyze at the sport. So uh, we thank you guys for that. We still have more. We have more questions um, for our fundraiser that we will get to on Thursday. Uh, we just wanted to hit those. Um, we have. I see you guys in the queue in my email. We are going to get to you this week, and then also we're going to get to the segment that was purchased because uh, I dumped a bunch of homework on Bill's lap. We will be back on Thursday with our week three. Are we going with tasting menu? Do we decide?
1: Sure. That seems to be where we we don't really make these decisions, they make themselves, and that seems to be. I the always decision. like
0: I like going to nice restaurants and you do too. Like you're into the eater.com stuff. Uh, But like, I love going to nice restaurants. I always roll my eyes when they're like, well, okay, guys, here's our tasting menu. We're going
1: to pair this. And I'm just like, I roll my eyes too, but I've done it once and it was amazing. So oh no, no,
0: no, no. it's great. It's great. I just usually hand the menu to my wife. Anytime you're like a small plate place and I'm just, cause she's a hardcore Louisiana foodie. (laughs) And and like I did that last week. I was like, just do it. Just do Just go. And and it's always great. But, uh, so that's, that's sort of an in joke. Just, I guess, just for us is that I, I, the concept of a tasting menu is dumb, but, um, it works. So we're going to do that. We'll do uh, our, our week three tasting menu. Uh, we will be back. Uh, we got a pretty cool interview lined up and, um, we'll also have a lot more questions to get to bill. I'll see you Thursday.
1: Yep.